everybody. Welcome to Read This, Read That. I'm Jackie Reed. And I'm Joanne Reed. What's up, cousin? Um, you know what? I'm I'm here. You're here. I'm a little tired. Well, I know why, because of that doggone insomnia, but guess what? What's up? Today's episode of Read This, Read That is dedicated to you. And your insomnia. Oh, my god! Getting gosh. to the other side. Finding a way to sleep. To sleep. It's my dream. Has, it's literally my dream right now is sleep. Well, I know you've been dealing with a lot of things to kind of cure your insomnia or at least make it a, a less bothersome in your life. Anything working lately? Have you tried anything new? No, I've tried soothing music. It doesn't work. Um, I just sort of think about the music. And it becomes the soundtrack to me telling myself things <laughs> and I'm talking to the music. Um, I've tried guided meditation. But I actually just listen to the person talking and I think, wow, well, that's weird. Why is he saying that? And then I sort of analyze what he's saying. Uh, and I've tried this Sleep With Me app. Yeah. But that too, I just listen to the person speak and I'm like, well, why do you say that? I mean, what, what, there's, there's a tree over there? What are you talking about? I just start, I start, I kind of think through what they're saying and I talk back to it. Oh. Um, and then if I just try lying there, I fill my mind with anxieties, worries. I think about, oh my God, what could go wrong tomorrow? You know, will Trump start a nuclear war? Like I literally go into a whole reverie and, and I, I just, I'm thinking too much. Um, so the only thing that actually helps me sleep is to drink like a couple glasses of wine mm-hmm. and then just sort of pass out. Yeah. But does that wake you up once the wine burns off? Does it wake you up earlier than you want? It wakes me up earlier than I want. And then I wake up extremely dehydrated. So now uh, what I've tried to do is I drink a glass of wine. I drink another glass of wine. I drink a whole bottle of bottled water then or seltzer get up water. And, pee? and then I got to get up and pee. Oh man! So either way, I'm not sleeping all night. And it's just really miserable because by about two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm really tired. And like now it's like, you know, about this time of day, like four or five o'clock, I'm really, really sleepy. Would depends help? Depends. <laughs> Go ahead and pee to bed. You wouldn't have to get up. Oh, no, no, no. It probably but would. How long have you suffered from anxiety? Uh, from anxiety. Oh, no, and I have anxiety, too. Insomnia. I have both. They go hand uh, in Yeah, I have anxiety and insomnia. insomnia. How so, long? I've never been a sleeper. I've always been a night person. Even when I was a kid, I liked to stay up late and sleep in. I've never liked to get up early. I've never been a morning person. So that's sort of general. But really, it really kicked in the most when I was pregnant with, with my old, our oldest child. Yeah. Um, she was a night baby. So she was like up all night. Mm. And I'm still basically on the sleep schedule that I was on when I was pregnant. Really? Um, where, yeah, where I was up late at night and she would be kicking all into the night. Yeah. And it's funny because she now can sleep at nine. Like her sleep pattern <laughs> went back to a normal person's and mine never did. So, I, so, and as I've gotten older and as I'm more prone to anxiety, I sleep even less because now it's a combination of just being a night person. And then also I'm a writer. And typically because when you have three kids and you're writing, the only time I could actually get writing done would be from like 10 PM to about 1 AM yeah. when everyone in the house is asleep. Because first of all, we put the kids to bed, let's say eight, eight thirty. Then I need like an hour or two to myself. Like I don't want to just immediately start working. So I would wind down, watch some TV, do something for me, relax, hang out with Jason. And then he usually goes to bed like 10, 11 o'clock, maybe 11. And then I can really start writing. So I would do a lot of writing. Like my first book, I pretty much would stay up all night. I'd be up from like 11 to like 2 a.m. writing. It's my most productive time as a writer. Like how do you function so brilliantly on so little sleep? I mean, if I don't get one good night's sleep the next day, I mean, I'm taking the wrong subway train. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going north when I need to go south. I mean, it's like my whole world is turned upside down. I can't focus. But you focus brilliantly on no sleep. I manage. I I think I, I really do think I have, you know, certain manic qualities because um, I'll either crash and be really down or be really manic. And when I'm really manic, I can really work and be creative. Yeah. And my sort of productive, creative times, I can kick it in. Like I'm not a morning person at all. I do a morning show and I come and I'm like, hey guys, good morning. Yeah. And I have my coffee with a shot of espresso and then I can, I can just 
power I, through. And also because I love what I do. So once I'm kicking in and I'm doing the, the work and I'm actually doing my work, whether it's writing or doing this show, you know, this podcast or doing my show, I'm so enjoying what I'm doing that I yeah. get a burst of energy. But and then I crash cranky. after. You're like one of the sweetest people that I know too. You, yeah. I never see you being cranky or well, my irritable. Name is Joy. <laughs> That comes with a name. Oh no, and God. I think I, I generally just, I, I just, I just accept it. I just accept that I'm going to sleep two, three, maybe three, four hours a night, and I just sort of function. But I am tired. I mean, yeah. I acknowledge that I am really tired. And what will end up happening is I forget things. Like I, I'll forget where my keys are, where yeah. my phone is. Like I, I definitely have forgetfulness that kicks in as a result of because lack of, of sleep. Well, we wanted you, I wanted you to kind of break down your insomnia and what you're experiencing because we have a very special guest today, yes. Joanne. Yay. We have Dr. Janet Kennedy. And Dr. Kennedy, tell us exactly what your expertise is as it relates to insomnia. So I'm a clinical psychologist, and I have a specialty in treating sleep disorders, specifically insomnia, and I do that um, behaviorally. So I do that. I actually help people get off medication who Mm -hmm. are taking medication every night, or I help people to um, resume or create a healthy sleep pattern um, because ultimately most of what's wrong with people's sleep is their behavior and their thoughts. Oh. Mm. Okay, go with that. Let's start with the behavior. Yeah. So Let's fix Joy. Okay, Joy. <laughs> and Bad this is the behavior. first time I've ever done this with a glass of wine in my hand. So okay, I'm okay. You know, it makes everything better. Does. Yes, it does. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. <laughs> um, so one thing you mentioned is that you are not a morning person. Right. Um, and so what you're doing is you're fighting your natural tendency um, to stay up late and sleep later. And you have to do that out of necessity because of your work schedule. Mm-hmm. But you may be um, actually overdoing it by trying to go to bed too early. And then when you do go to bed too early and you're not tired, you end up with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And that anxiety, the racing thoughts, the sort of interaction you're having with whatever tools you're using, um, those things create a stress response. Mm-hmm. And our body is very primitive when it comes to stress response. We have one thing we do, and that is to get um, into a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. You are filled with adrenaline because your body, your brain says you got to stay awake to fix this problem. But if the problem is insomnia, the last thing you need is that adrenaline. Mm. So by trying to force yourself to do something that your body is not prepared to do at that time, you're setting yourself up for a longer stretch before you can fall asleep. Interesting. Um, the other thing I hear you say <laughs> is that you try to make up for lost sleep mm-hmm. on the weekends. Yes. And so what that does is it puts a lot of stress on your body. Your body doesn't know when to sleep anymore. Mm-hmm. We do so much better when we eat, sleep, poop, you know, have our routines mm-hmm. all at the same time or roughly the same time every day because the body can just kind of relax and go with the flow. Right. Um, and when you're schedule changes dramatically day to day, yeah. then your circadian rhythm suffers. Um, and and your your body is just essentially confused. It doesn't know whether what you're supposed to be doing and it's kind of playing catch up all the time. And so and so for, for I mean for, for me and we you work during the week. Jackie worked Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I work basically Wednesday through 
Sunday and Monday and Tuesday are my weekend. And so Monday, I literally will sleep till like two o'clock. I'll just sleep till my body wakes up. Do you think that's a bad idea? I think that's a bad idea because what ends up happening is that you oversleep and you think you're making up for sleep, but you're also taking sleep away from the future. And so your body has to then figure out what to do the next night when you're trying to go to sleep at the normal time. Mm. So if you, what time do you normally get up in the morning? Um, it depends. Every day is different, right? So Mondays, because it's my Saturday, I wake up between noon and one, two o'clock because I'm just trying to sleep. Um, Tuesdays, sometimes I'll have things scheduled. So I'll get up at like maybe 10. Mm-hmm. Wednesdays, I'll get up at maybe nine-ish. Um, Thursdays, we have our show meeting and I have to be there at 11. So I get up at like 730 Okay. And then it just keeps getting earlier and earlier as the week goes on. Fridays, I have to get up at maybe 7.38. And then Saturdays and Sundays, I need to be up at 5.15 okay. to get to the show. So the er- so it just gets earlier and earlier as the week goes on. Sunday again, 5.15, so I can get in a car at 6.30. And then Monday, it's back to noon, 1. Okay. Two. And how much sleep do you think you need? Do you even know? I mean, I have survived on four or five hours of sleep max pretty well, much since it. I've been a you know, sentient adult. Okay. Um I would bet that if you could, so if you are surviving on four to five hours of sleep, that means that if you're waking up at 730 in the morning, you do not need to be going to bed at midnight. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing, if you're trying to go to bed at midnight saying, I must get seven and a half hours of sleep tonight, I would, you know, of course you would want that. You would love it. It would feel amazing if you could get that. But you're forcing yourself into a situation of performance. And along with that performance comes anxiety. Right. So your body's saying, nope, I'm not ready. And you're saying, but I need it. I want it. I'm desperate. I've got to fix this. There's something wrong. It's not healthy. You're listening to the media. You're going to get diabetes. You're going to get fat. Yeah. You're going to die early, like whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and so all of these messages are telling you to do something that's not natural for your body. And you're forcing yourself in. If you stayed up until 2 mm-hmm. and slept until 7.30, you would probably fall asleep faster and get better consolidated sleep and you start from there that solves your anxiety problem and you learn to trust your body and understand that you can sleep and your body will start to give you better cues about what you need if you can fall into a better rhythm so is it that people with insomnia just can't sleep or they have trouble sleeping Most people with insomnia get some sleep. Very few people, uh, you know, average people, just don't sleep the whole night. People who are in a a true manic phase, and we like to throw about the term manic um, in a more, you know, layman's way, but true mania is a period of time where a person really doesn't sleep and doesn't feel the need to sleep and is kind of high. Yeah. Um, That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. uh, You know, the... Average person's insomnia is, uh, is, is, as I said, it's a mismatch between your behavior, your thoughts, and, your, and what your body wants to do. And when you're trying to set that up, and you're, you're setting yourself up in sort of a fail situation, then you have this anxiety. You're teaching yourself that mm-hmm. you can't do it because you're putting yourself in a situation where you're going to fail. Right. So what we try to do is figure out, you know, Figure out an appropriate wake-up time. So if, if your wake-up time is most days around 7, 7.30, you've got two bad 
early days, and then you've got these days with no requirements, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were to say, I'm going to get up at 7.30, five days a week for three weeks, you know, just sort of instead of thinking about the rest of your life, because I know it doesn't sound good to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but if you did that and just kind of dealt with those two rough days and followed your body to bed when you're sleepy mm -hmm. and said, okay, I'm not going to go to bed until I really cannot stay awake. Right. And then your body would start to set itself in a better rhythm. You know, so when our when our kids were young, we used to do a thing where we would take their we would confiscate. This is when they were little. We taught them the word confiscate, mm -hmm. and we confiscated all their electronics yep. about an hour before bed because our theory was you you have to put your brain you have to rest your brain so you will fall, won't fall asleep so you're not in your bed with Absolutely. your phone. Absolutely. So do, is it true that electronics, watching TV, being on your phone will make you stay up? Absolutely. <laughs> Bless, Bless you. you. And Sneezing will also keep you awake. <laughs> There's a couple of reasons that um, technology, electronics, are going to keep you awake. One is the physical quality of the device. So any kind of handheld device is putting blue light straight into your eyeball. Mm -hmm. That goes straight to the on-off switch in your brain, right behind your eyeball. That, And there are technical terms for this, but mm -hmm. we don't have to do that. <laughs> That is the switch that turns your melatonin on and off. Mm. So if your melatonin is getting a go signal, then you're going to get sleepy. And if it's getting a stop signal, it's not going to release and you're not going to get naturally sleepy when your body should be sleepy. Mm. So you're essentially distorting your body clock by putting particularly bad artificial light straight into that sensor. Wow. Um, so that's one. Two is that these devices and even TV, because a lot of what we watch on TV is either very stimulating, um, watching The Walking Dead, or, <laughs> Oops. Uh -oh. or we're watching news or satirical news. Anything with Trump. That is right. I mean, it's a, let me tell you, business is good in the last couple of years because yeah. people are distressed and nobody's sleeping. But um, you need to set boundaries for yourself so that you can unplug from the the crazy of the day, the things you don't have control over and, and the things that you do that, that need, but they need to have a stopping point. You can pick it up tomorrow. And, and in our culture today, we really have to be careful and mindful and really direct with ourselves about setting those boundaries because those boundaries are not setting themselves. Right. Interesting. Well, okay, so let me ask you this, because I know it just can't be this simple, Dr. Kennedy, or you would not be in business. Mm -hmm. um, so if someone like Joanne or anybody out there, if they get on the same pattern where they're waking up and going to bed at, at the same time, you know, seven days a week, and they're not, you know, looking at their phones, they're taking out the blue light from their lives, you know, before they go to bed in enough time, will that cure their insomnia? It's the first step. Okay. So, you know, I always try to start with the low hanging fruit. Okay. You know, and because it's easy and often you get a big punch from it. Yeah. Um, so, 
the wake up time is really important. But what you said about going to bed at the same time every night is actually not true. Mm. You set a time before which you cannot go to bed. So you mm. set your earliest bedtime, but then you listen to your body and you don't get into bed until your body's telling you. Um, you know, the exception to that is what I often recommend to people is actually reading in bed mm. and reading not on your phone and, right. and reading fiction mm. because taking yourself away in a fantasy allows your mind a very specific place to go. You might have some thoughts about the plot, but it's going to be less interactive than what you're thinking when the guy from the meditation app is talking to you. You know, it's so funny that you say that because one of the ways I used to put myself to sleep when I had insomnia, particularly when I was younger, but I sometimes will still do it, is I would tell myself a story. Uh I would come up with a story and have a whole storyline, and I would tell myself like you would tell a child a story. I would tell myself one, and that actually does help me go to sleep. But like I gave you the idea of winning the lottery, the way I, I put myself that. to yeah. sleep. I heard that. I like it. I Start like spending it. the lottery right. money. But then I think her mind, the way her mind works, and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, she gets so you know right. into the details. Yeah, that I'd be like, well, that, the Even difference there though yeah. is that's a self-generated story, so it involves coming up with thoughts. Uh, right. Okay. You, if you are reading a story, you're taking somebody else's storyline, and you can't wait to see what happens. Right. And so you get yourself immersed in it. And a lot of people will say, oh, read something boring. I totally disagree because if you try to read something boring, you're going to be reading the words on the page while you're having a whole conversation in your head right. about how long is this going to take? Yep. What did I, what am I eating for breakfast? Yeah. Did I get my clothes with a dry cleaner? Yeah. Like all of that stuff. And so what I find to be most helpful is to read something that is, um, that is immersive. Yeah. Not scary. You know, you want to save that for some other time. I did used to time. read scary stuff as a kid, and then I, I would have nightmares. Yeah, it's it it's not the best. I yeah. Mean, often I'll tell people to reread classics that they have loved, mm-hmm. uh, that like mm. sort of visiting an old friend or yeah. a relative. But in any case, it it has such a restorative quality. I I think of it as sort of like scrubbing your brain a little yeah. bit. Like your brain is collecting all this poop all day in yeah. between its ridges and you're taking a toothbrush by scrubbing yeah. all that out while yeah. you're reading a book. And and it really gives a it gives you a good separation mm-hmm. from your day. It gives you a chance to settle your body down while your brain is just sort of distracted over somewhere else. Because your body knows how to sleep. Mm-hmm. Your brain gets in its way. Yeah. And if you can find a place, a healthy place for your brain to go mm-hmm. um, and and also be kind and soothing to yourself around your expectations. Yeah. So telling yourself, I, I have to fall asleep now because I only have five hours left. Oh, I'm going to be a disaster tomorrow. Yeah, I'll never make it. Yeah. I'm going to die young. All of these things that we tell mm-hmm. ourselves, they only increase the pressure. So mm-hmm. to be able to say like, you know, I actually function on four to five hours of sleep pretty well. I'm successful. I do my job. Nobody notices. Right. Right. Yeah. And so the that's more important than how you feel. You can tolerate feeling pretty horrible. Mm-hmm. And if you can take the pressure off of trying to feel perfect, then you have a better shot at relaxing and yeah. and sort of softening those thoughts to the point that you're able to 
go to sleep instead of grabbing onto those thoughts and running with them. It's interesting because uh, so Jackie had come up with a, a great idea about painting a wall white. I heard that, which too. actually like that is a yeah. good one because it's mindless. Yeah. Because um, one of the apps that I tried to use to go to sleep, it had different sounds of like nature. I'm not really a nature person, <laughs> so when the when the water one came out, I just had a nightmare about like being eaten by a shark. Oh my goodness! And like when the desert one came on, I would have like a nightmare about being lost in the desert. Like I would actually construct the whole. You are what fantasy we call suggestible. It. Yeah. So I, yeah. What does you that have mean? to be careful. It means that the you respond to the things around you. There, you're easily triggered, and not in you know everyone's talking about triggering all the time right now, but. Um, you take something from your environment and you latch onto it and you run with it. So you need to be careful about your environment. That's why you need to be careful about what you're watching at the end of the day. Yeah. You so no to, zombies? No. I would just let, do an experiment. Yeah. Right? Like clean up your act, mm-hmm. do an experiment, think of it as sleep boot camp, do it for a few weeks and see where you are. And then maybe it won't matter. You'll, you'll see what you can reintroduce and what you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think actually given the speed of your life and the number of areas that are go- moving at all times, yeah. that taking a break and learning how to quiet yourself yeah. at the end of the day. And I'm not so you're saying no Twitter about, alerts is what you're saying. Oh, jeez, no. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is perfect timing because Fear the Walking Dead, the season finale is coming up, and then they're taking a month break. Yeah. yeah. So you could do it during this time. Right. And still that would be so good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Joanne talked about um, drinking wine, and I wonder if there's certain, um, you know, beverages and foods and things like that that help and things that may hurt. Well, it's... You know, I get calls all the time with people wanting to do stories about the perfect foods for sleep and the perfect drinks for sleep. Like, and like turkey. Yeah, all <laughs> of that stuff. You would have to eat like an entire turkey <laughs> <laughs> to get enough tryptophan to help you. And um, it's, I mean, then you would have another problem. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, and you'd be farting. <laughs> yes, you would be. Great. Then no one can sleep in your own house. Farting. So, um, you know, I try to help people regain confidence in their own natural ability without a ton of tools. And, you know, I like to go very low tech. Yes, I love white noise. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's extremely helpful, especially if you live in the city, um, but just to have some ambient noise to know you're not going to be jolted awake by something. Um, you know, but I don't. I don't prescribe tonics or specific meals, whatever. It's best not to go to bed super full mm-hmm. and or hungry. Um, if you don't get enough carbs, like a super low carb diet can be um, can be rough on your sleep because your your blood sugar fluctuates too much. Wait, you said a high carb diet super, or low? Super low, super high also. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but um, a super low carb diet can often um, trigger some night waking. Okay. Um, in any case. The what I try to do is really help people remember how to sleep because even if you've never been an awesome sleeper, you can you can go back to a time where sleep wasn't so fraught for you, mm-hmm. and start to just have confidence in your ability to do it, and that helps you explore strategies to improve it. 
Interesting. And I guess last question, and we are toward, toward the end. My Two of my kids have the opposite problem, which is that they sleep like they're in a coma. And you <laughs> they're can't get them off. They're adolescents. Yeah. yeah. So there's this period of time in adolescence where the body um, needs a ton of sleep. Yeah. And the sleep phase is shifted later. So they, unfortunately, school start times are still... Stu- too early. Yeah. Um, and so they're forced to get up and they're always in a sleep, depri- a sleep deprivation state. Got it. Well, I was going to ask because Joanne's been dealing with this, you know, for a really long time, mm-hmm. a number of years, you know, do you, it, after hearing, and I, I know it's probably not fair to ask you this question, but I mean, do you see hope in her getting... I do see hope, but I think you need some guidance. Yeah. So, you know, 10 minutes on, on a podcast isn't going to fix it all for you. I think, no. you know, you've got some starting <laughs> you know, points. Podcasts are powerful. They are. <laughs> but, um, it's a starting point. Like, yeah. you know, you, and, and to get you thinking about it in a more hopeful way, mm-hmm. I think will help you to, to start to make some changes. But, um, you, there are, you know, professionals out there who, yeah. who do this and it's, Short term, you're not going to come in and tell me your whole history about your mother. Mm-hmm. You know, this is about you now learning how to sleep and how to get past these thoughts that interfere with it. Right. Um, if you want to tell me all about your troubles and and deal with that, <laughs> that's a separate thing. Right. But but in terms of what we do to help people with insomnia, it's a short term. Typically four to eight session hmm. psychotherapy, very straightforward, yeah. and and it's it's really great, and it it feels good from my end to yeah. to help people this because you get a result. You do, and and giving people back their sleep um, is a really rewarding thing to do every day. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This Our, has been really great. I hope that this is the Helpful. first step towards yes. getting, you know, we'll have to revisit this here on Read This, Read That because yes. it's a journey. It is a journey. And it's a journey we're on together. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Cousin Jackie, for recommending that we talk to Dr. Kennedy. I Thank know. you, Dr. It was Dr. A good Kennedy. Thing. We're going to have to have Dr. Kennedy back. So Dr. Janet Kennedy, you can find her at her website, nycsleepdoctor.com. I like that. Yes. And on Twitter, nyc sleep doctor um and she's on facebook as well as nyc sleep doctor and has a great book her first book the good sleeper the essential guide to sleep for your baby and you and it was published in january 2015 it's been that 20 years ago i know (laughs) it's only published in 2015 i'll go back and get it thank you so much that does it for this episode of read this read that please follow us on social media at read this read that Absolutely. And you can always follow, of course, Cousin Jackie Reed on the Tom Joyner Morning Show every Tuesday and Friday at 8.15 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also watch Jackie on NBC's New York Live weekdays at 11.30 a.m. EST. And if you're lucky enough to be in Boston on NBC's The Hub today, weekdays at 12.30 p.m. EST. And you can also find Cousin Joy on MSNBC on her show AM Joy every Saturday and Sunday morning from 10 a.m. Eastern Time until noon. And please follow us on social media. That would be the Twitters uh, as well as on Instagram. At Read This, Read That. And of course, when you're on Twitter, you can leave off the last T for savings. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for listening to us. Have a nice sleep. Have a wonderful night. Yes. Good night. Speak very And good luck. Quietly. But no ocean sounds because that involves sharks. Have a wonderful time. (laughs) Bye-bye. No birds chirping. (laughs) Bye-bye. Not a day goes by that you ain't on my mind. But you're a waste of time. And I 